podcast producer Trent here. This is the episode from Tuesday, April 7th. Uh, Robin and Josie were joined by Tim Minchin and Joe Neary and Celia and some music from Nicole Smith as well. Cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home is where you can go to find out who is coming up on upcoming shows uh, and also where you can drop a tip in the tip jar to help out artists and performers and the like that are without any employment for the foreseeable future. And if you'd like to support us at the Cosmic Shambles Network for making these shows and all the other stuff we do, uh, we don't have any live events either at the moment, uh, patreon.com slash bookshambles is where you can go to do that. Here is Robin and Josie and Tim and Joe and Nicole. Hello. Hello. I'm going to start with a message first of all, and that message is happy birthday, Melinda Burton. Uh, Many of you will know that uh, Trent Burton is our uh, producer of loads of different things. We do all the Cosmic Shambles thing that we've been doing together for about 10 years. Uh, All of those things. Now, uh, you hear us talk about Trent. You don't hear us talk about Melinda quite so much. She really does a huge amount of stuff that goes on behind the scenes and a lot of the live events we've done and the stuff we did at the Albert Hall and and all of those things uh, and and also the Nine Lessons carols for curious people uh melinda does loads of that so very very uh happy birthday and uh also worked on uh, groundhog day uh with our guest who's going to be with us in a minute tim minchin as well so which was such an incredible piece of work we will talk about that shortly um josie how are you oh well it's becoming increasingly apparent that the baby is never going to sleep in past about sleep six in past about six in the morning uh, <laughs> um she's uh she's teething so she was up all night but luckily i didn't uh, do the night but i did do the morning so you know it's really tightened your skin you're really smooth and lovely but that's because i was saying i keep a home cabinet of botox which I was keeping for the original purpose of it, whatever that was, I can't remember, but I, that's why I had it. Well, it's great. Your bootleg bo- bo- Botox, your Botox that you, you picked up from that guy <laughs> around the back of uh, the old Camden Palace. That is As uh, part um... of my exercise. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, how you your doing? injecting thumb is tremendously strong. I've always thought the muscle <laughs> on that. Go straight um, into my show and tell because uh, we want to get to our, our, our guest. And, and it was... Oh, uh, I'll mine. Hang on. This morning, uh, I was, uh, I've, I've done, I've been lucky enough. I mean, I'm in a ridiculous position that every now and again, I've had the chance to actually meet astronauts. And uh, a couple of times I have done stuff with a guy called Rusty Schweikart, who's Apollo 9, who is a really wonderful and fascinating human being. And, and, and go and see the work that he's done post Apollo 9. You know, like so many of the astronauts, he's not, he's not someone who just goes, can I tell you about what I did on a, he's like, now we need to move on. And I was just looking at uh, this, this book, Worlds Beyond, which is from 19, 1978 with a lot of kind of quite optimistic hopeful ideas of, of what space travel might become and, and the technology from space and i'd entirely forgotten that i actually got him to sign uh the chapter that he wrote which is a really interesting <laughs> chapter uh i love finding that it's like the other day when i found out that my copy of uh, the autobiography of max wall was signed i had no idea but i'd forgotten i'd asked him to do this and it's a really beautiful essay about the fact that Every Sunday before he went into space, his, his, his wife was away on Sunday evening and he would just sit there and listen to classical music and contemplate what he was going to do huh. and have all of these different thoughts, kind of philosophical ideas. And, uh, and I think if you ever see him speak, uh, you get a sense of, of, of the deep thinking that's gone on about our place in, in the universe. So that's my show and I tell, know. which is the wonderful Rusty Schweikart. Well, I know this is a little bit of a basic recommendation uh, by uh, our by our standards, but in the shadow of the moon, the documentary is so fantastic and so poetic, and they are all such deep thinkers and such beautiful speakers as well. I really recommend it, and also because I never ever forget the fact that at the very end they're like, "Okay, fine, let's bring up all the conspiracy theories," and I can't remember who is it, but I always think of him because he goes. We went to the moon nine times. Why yeah. would we lie nine times? <laughs> that sounds like that may have been Alan Bean, who was a really, again, <gasps> another... Yes, became a painter. Yeah, the moonscapes. And, and again, look, at what well, if you find yourself with spare time today, I know a lot of people have a lot of different things that are occupying their time, but um, Alan Bean is another really wonderful astronaut to watch. And, of course, the inspiration to the Hefner song. Yeah. Have a look at that. Lovely song. Uh, especially good for now, actually. Ever thought about giving up? I've thought about giving up. I think about giving up all the time. Um, this is my show and tell. It's a really fantastic book. It's, fantastic uh, book. it's an illustrated um, 
guide to Alistair Gray, who sadly died last year, his life. And it's fantastic. It's uh, a biography, but also just loads and loads of beautiful examples of his incredible work and his incredible career. And mainly just as well, the visual side, not the literary side. Uh, It's just so, so impressive that he basically had two careers at once. He was amazing, and those covers, like the like the cover for uh, Lanark is uh, the cover for all of his book of prefaces. Yeah, uh, that is a beautiful book. I w- I will 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 some Lanark illustrations that. there. Oh, that's that. such a gorgeous. That's on my pile of if this lockdown keeps going, I better return to that book. Oh, it's fantastic! I really recommend it to people. Um, yeah, I think also I just wish I was in Glasgow. So I'm yeah. I was in Glasgow. So I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that he was a very, very. I, I did an event at the, that wonderful big library in in in, in Glasgow, and uh, uh, he was doing an event somewhere else, obviously in a much bigger room. And uh, afterwards, I was chatting to some of the people who'd been promoting it, and they said it's just a really nice, just really interesting, nice, you know, guy with no affectation, and yeah, well, all the affectation be. goes into the beauty of his work, which uh, I think is wonderful. Well, exactly. If you're busy making work the whole time, you don't have time to be a prick, do you? Yeah, that's another one of your classic (laughs) uh, Botox-based aphorisms. Um, I am going to write all these down and publish them as a bestseller after the crisis. Let's segue straight from this now. Certainly uh, our first guest is someone who I know has been so busy he hasn't been a prick for quite a while. So (laughs) please welcome Tim Minchin. Hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. How are you doing? Hi. Hi. Hi, you guys. Um, I'm good. It's night time for you then. So so when I I first asked you about this, you went, is it all right if I'm drunk during this? (laughs) I mean, I find, uh, I don't think um, drinking's cool, kids, Uh, but I I find any day uh, at any time of any year quite hard to get all the way through without a little drink. Um, These days are harder. I have had a a couple of alcohol-free days in the last few weeks, to test myself, but mostly it's uh, it's an important part of my mental health. I think. One That's of my favourite toffee crisps. Yeah, and Botox. <laughs> just but, one a day. Just one. A day. Just one a day. <laughs> you will squirt over one eye or the other. I put too much Botox, Botox in. I can't. In. I can't get the toffee crisp through my mouth. <laughs> oh, the um. I was just thinking when you talk about what there was a, a beautiful moment, and I, I don't know if you remember this, but when we did a, a gig uh, for Simon Singh about libel reform, yeah. and uh, you did the 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 a song at the end of the first half, and I can't, do you know, I, I apologise, I can't remember which which song it was, uh, and um, but I was amazed, you know, when you realise the amount of love that people have for a certain performer because uh, you then watched the rest of the show from the side of the stage, just sat on a on a chair, but you know the curtain was you know behind the curtain. Uh, just having a glass of wine, and the next day I saw on a lot of chat rooms about you going. Yeah, went to the gig. Uh, it was really good. Tim only did one song, but what was amazing was you could see his feet for the whole of the second half. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, now this is the point where it could well go. Yeah. And then he started a cult. Yeah. <laughs> and I touched the feet, and I was cured. <laughs> yeah. This sounds all good. This all sounds good to me. <laughs> I, I wondered I, about your because I, I I think in a lot of your work you have a tremendous sense of optimism about the potential of humanity, but also the scepticism and, 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 and a fear that there are so many, you know, ways that we can also make the wrong decisions. And human. Mm-hmm. And, and I wondered at the moment where people are in this, for, 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 for our generation, certainly, this is, is the strangest situation, I think, that, that, that we've experienced. We've not been people who've ever been brought together, you know, by, by, by war or anything like that. How are you, as you're observing what's going on, what is your current kind of feeling about humanity? Shit. Um, I have to say I think I'm not feeling great. Um, I, I've had a – it's interesting in this situation. It, it's not a huge change for me because there are periods of my life, like for you guys, uh, Robin, I've been thinking this must just be bliss for you. But, um, but there are periods of my life where I – sit in my home office in this room nowadays, now I live in Australia, and just get up every morning and go to my little desk and, you know, wrestle with a song and headbutt some emails and scream at Twitter and then go for a run and go to bed. And I do that for months. So uh, it's, it's not huge for me except in that as I engage with the news and as I engage with uh, um, social media I'm getting a real 
feel, and I guess I feel, I felt a bit slumpy today. It's been a bad day in my little world because um, George Pell got um, let off um, in his second appeal, which means there's a lot of um, sexual abuse survivors in Australia right now who are feeling really, really uh, terrible. And uh, for no reason, I have no right to feel terrible on their behalf except that I've been engaged with that community a bit through some satire I've done and I feel a bit down about that. So maybe that's colouring it. But look, my my general sense, one of my great frustrations is that I do believe the world is getting better and I think the statistics bear that out in terms of poverty and and um, power to women and and minority groups and health and disease and war. And I, I, I get very, very frustrated that people can't take any solace in that, especially those of us on the left, that I get very, very frustrated that we progressives uh, seem to have as our default position a screaming fury at any injustice and an inability to mitigate that fury with uh, any victories. Um, we just move on to the next thing. And it can be a tiny thing, but our fury will be indistinguishable from a huge thing, you know. Um, and all that's been frustrating me. I've been talking about it in my shows. The, Brit- Britain feels very different to me from what I've read to where Australia is at. There's just something about the British when they're locked in at the end of a long winter that uh, could give you some hope. But... Um, uh, the the conspiracy theories and the way people are reacting to this virus, um, the the constant screaming from various corners of the internet about uh, you know that it's an engineered bio weapon and that it's connected to five G and it's just depressing me so much. The 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 volume of stupid, and I mean volume in both senses. <laughs> I mean the loudness and the mass, the the the, the volume of stupid of, of stupid's not the right word of of lack of knowledge about this stuff is making me feel really depressed. I will well, just recommend just because you mentioned that that we did a uh, on Sunday we did a Q and A with uh, a couple of doctors and a couple of professors who are working yeah. on COVID nineteen yeah, now. No. If anyone wants to, if anyone is finding themselves hitting walls with people who seem to be uh, going down that kind of the, that 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 route of conspiracy theory, uh, they were really amazing in terms of of, of their understanding. And uh, so just just if if anyone wants that, as a right. I'm going to go I've been reading two things. One of these things, things. One of these things is this call. This book called "How Great It Is When We Slow Down." I, I can't oh, remember what it's called now. It's well frustrating, but it's really fun. I'll find it in my bag before the show's over, and I'll show it to everyone. But basically, in it, he says, "When you're when you're looking at the world, you only perceive what you're looking for, and you only perceive what you're sort of you've got your yeah. little viewfinder." And so, yeah. if you're feeling that the whole of the left or the whole of the activism is only down to anger and stuff like that it, it's only because that is what you're happening to perceive and happening to build up those series of perceptions yeah. and there's a really good quote that um tony ben used i don't think he made it up about how the activism is twin flames of anger but also of hope and if yeah. you want to feel cheered what i would suggest is something that has cheered me so intensely in the past few weeks is everywhere, every area in that I know in London, but I think in the moment is developing a mutual aid group. And if there's one thing that I know that gives me great pleasure and um, pride when I think about the left as a team is the fact that actually people organise and people do local community activism because quite often especially in the UK you find yourself so impotent with rage because of the lack of power and the entrenched privilege and the corruption Uh, uh, but on on a local level you can feel incredibly empowered and useful and help your fellow man literally today so Around where I live, there's been lots of like flyers saying COVID-19 mutual aid groups and people put their numbers on. You can join them. I've joined WhatsApp groups. So far, all I do is just be like, thanks for these. These are great. But um, that's because I've got a toddler. Even you, even you to mentioned in your area, there will be a mutual aid group. And so what you got to do is you've got to join up. You've got to start ferrying food parcels to old ladies and you're going to feel wonderful about people in the world. And all of us need to put 
down the internet because we don't know oh, who yeah. the people screaming are, do we? Because the thing is, you go on Twitter and you see someone who pertains to be on your side or pertains to be on someone else's side, and actually, you have no idea who that account is, no. and we'll never find out. And we can't be conspiratorial. We could say that it's a bot, or we could say it's malicious, but it could just be a teenager having fun. I'm not actually, actually worried by the bots. I'm I'm concerned by people I know and oh how God. they well, That's when you've got to list them all to do a mutual aid group. Yeah. Yeah. Mutual aid yeah. groups are populated by people equally on both bullshit sides of politics oh right? yeah I, i've had friends having um friends having having, um, having very intense discussions within their mutual aid groups because some of the people in the mutual aid groups really really big fans of reporting people to the police for spending yeah. too long in their gardens so i mean it's really up and down but you know that's yeah. a whole other thing to think about an interesting <laughs> thing is often you you go to find some you, you know there are plenty of people on the right who believe very 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 strongly in uh giving back because that's part of their philosophy, is we sure. shouldn't pay it all in tax, it should be personal responsibility. Anyway, Robert. Oh, no, uh, <laughs> Timpsons is an interesting thing, the key cutting Timpsons. places. If you don't know about Timpsons, uh, they, they, they are uh, ensuring that all of their workers are still being full, full paid. They uh, get, uh, they, it, it's an incredible thing. Read about, they, they employ a lot of people who uh, are former prisoners as well. Uh, they have holiday homes that their people who work for them are allowed to just go, Do you, oh, okay, you can have wow. that. Uh, they, they are a really interesting model of what you're saying, which is that kind of old fashioned, what I would I would say, yeah. you know, the, the, yeah. I would say the, the kind of conservatism of, some of my dad's generation you know yeah. which is a yeah. very and it's an interest again politics it's, it's such it shifts so much from time to time doesn't it you look back and you know things from the 20s you know things from the 20s that were on one side of the debate are completely different now and yeah it's fascinating yeah, because because I, I i love performing but as you know as you kind of suggested there are times when i go a little bit mad and i go i yeah. better stop now and you and i'm not finding yeah i managed to do i still end up doing a gig every single week because everyone knew I was available. You didn't stop anywhere near as long as me for all your talk. No, I was I was very good at. In, in fact, you know what I thought was I'd stop for just long enough that I can turn it into a show. Uh, yeah, exactly. Which about yeah. me giving up, yeah. but uh, against me. <laughs> I remember when, uh, yeah, that that was great, and I love the fact now she goes. No, I don't think I ever really did mean I was going to give up. <laughs> well, I think she's like, yeah, I said I was going to give up, but then I got massive, so I'm not going to anywhere. <laughs> Turned out all worked out, but and such a great show. But it was um. Oh yeah, that show's incredible. When I uh, interviewed for ages ago, when I interviewed you for the the book that I I did, and I can't remember whether this bit stayed in. But thinking about performance, you talked about when you were in Jesus Christ Superstar, and about the incredible power that suddenly comes from being on stage. We've talked about this with a few performers. What they're missing is it's fine for a few weeks, but then you do start to go, my body has not experienced that. Because you were talking about the fact that in rehearsals, you'd be a little bit out of breath. And it was kind of like you had to, I think had to climb scaffolding and sing a song. And once the audience were there, you became super minching. Yeah. And yeah. how do you feel now at this point? I know you're saying you haven't been, but is there a little bit which now you know you cannot? There is no way you can just go somewhere and play, suddenly wow. set up a gig. Because I, I have I have gone months and months and months without gigging, and and um, I think I've done three or four gigs a year for the last seven years until wow. you know until last year. I basically retired um, wow. for the sake of well, because of what you're talking about for. Um, I I made a well yeah I made a choice not to get more famous and I made a choice to um, have a type of life where I could spend more time with my kids and but more than that it, that that's the virtuous side of it the more egotistical side of it is after Matilda I thought I can actually be a part of making stuff that changes culture you know um, if you write a musical that runs for years or you're or or I went on to live in LA and work on an animated film if you're if you're creating big pieces of art you think about the movies you saw and the theater shows you saw when you're a kid they can change generations of Mm. people and I think my ego a combination of egolessness and egofulness um made me think this up and down this kick this super mentioned thing uh, it's not necessarily the best thing for my personality. And I, 
more than anything, I think getting publicly known is um, unavoidably psychologically damaging to humans. And I saw that in myself and I thought I'd try and mitigate it a bit for a little while. And so this uh, period of not being able to perform is it's fine. I, 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 my ego, my, I, I burn in different ways. I, I, um, I like work out and, you know, like I have other ways of creating control and power just with myself. I lock my children in small boxes and only feed them once every 12 hours. Ah, Tim mentioned Schrodinger's children. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to work right. out which, which yeah. box of it they're in. So, the, so they are out of the box. <laughs> the um going back to when you were also talking about that 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 clash between hopefulness and then sometimes we see i mean i've found it at the beginning i was mentioning you know some some astronauts and and i i do find it quite disconcerting the number of people again as you say not on the internet people you actually meet who are real mm. who maybe you've known and they say i've got to admit that whole landing on the moon thing oh, yeah God. and and it, it does seem now that there are a lot of people I I don't believe 10, 15 years ago would have had that position who now have just been fed enough information to believe that the most intelligent position on something like uh, landing on the moon is to go, oh, you know what? I don't think a few of those things add up. And that that is, I can see that that problem there. This guy came into my life this week. And Josie, this is totally, your, your advice is right. I shouldn't have ever seen him. There's a guy it's called so Pop. hard, though. I mean, I don't oh. don't think I'm saying it from a position no. of being better. No. I'm worse. <laughs> this guy called Sorry. Tom Bennett. He lives in Byron Bay. And don't go and look it up because you just want to <laughs> shoot yourself. But he, he put up a video. He's one of these guys, you can't catch a virus. A virus is a solvent. You can't catch it. And he, and, but he had this beard and a bald head and he started his video. It was very Trumpian going, the reason I, I need you to know that I, um, the reason I have the authority to say this is because I have an IQ of 130. Oh. Uh, the, the last time I did an IQ test, the testers asked me for a special interview to find out if I had cheated. Um, I, I studied science and medicine, like, he studied, he's like, not, and, and he just, I just despair. And someone I love um, was sort of listening to him and uh, like a family member. And I, I, I don't know, Josie, I, I, is it the conspiracy theory thing? I, I have read stuff that says it's not getting worse. We're just much more aware of it now. There were always conspiracy theories, but now we see them. But I... I feel like we have slipped, and I blame, again, I blame us, the progressives. The, I, I was educated in the 90s at a liberal arts college in Australia, and I was basically taught to be a postmodernist, you know, to believe that science is a patriarchal construct, and, you know, and I think we played our part. I think the arts and postmodernism and post-postmodernism have played their part in deconstructing the idea of facts and then came the internet and kicked down the last foundations of anyone uh, being able to claim that there were objective truths. And I just fucking, I am just dying. I spend my whole life shouting, you're allowed to be an artist and a scientist, and I just feel... <laughs> I just, and you guys do too, like, I just. But what um, I would say quite say, stri quite stridently is you did not invent YouTube and then deliberately not police it because the most extreme videos made you the most money. And, you know, I think we can point that there are things in society at the moment that really, really would have quite, quite doable fixes yeah. if the people who were taking all of the profit out of them were prepared to just reinvest but, but just a portion of that profit these are <laughs> memes in the, in, the, in the proper Dawkinsian sense of meme. these shit ideas survive because they are extreme and they survive because they are extreme because people get endorphin rushes from extremity and they get excited when they think oh I know something I, when I went to school 
they looked down at me because I didn't want to listen. But that's because I had other ideas. And now I've seen this video and I realized that those people who taught me stuff at school were all fools and sheeple. And now I'm special and I know something that you don't know. And it's not, I do agree, we could have, I'd be interested in hearing you speak on this actually, Josie, because I I think there's, um, I think there's, I think we might need more fascism. I think <laughs> no, that's not the answer. We might need more control because the people no. who because the people who say that oh we shouldn't let these things you know the people who are saying we shouldn't let hateful voices rise up on the internet are the same people who hate fascism. No, of those two issues, teach me. Um, well, you want to release the, the no. natural. You want to police the natural selection of extreme ideas, right? No, I want people to reconnect with their humanity. Reconnect with their humanity, which is really, really the opposite of fascism. What I think would help everyone is like just fucking a community. Oh, sorry, just a community garden on every corner that people can participate in. Just being closer to their relatives. Just like loving a partner or loving a. Close You're too optimistic about humanity. You, you, no, that's not. not what, that's not what rises up. What rises up is and novelty. People want to feel special. They want to feel part of a club. They want. They want to be uh, owners of special knowledge. All of those things come from the smallest, most wonderful things. Like if you're part of a community garden, you're special and you're part of a club. If you grow a club, if you grow vegetables. But that might also lead to, remember, the the Nazis were very keen on green politics as well. They were very keen on green politics, the Nazis. (laughs) What if it turns out the allotment is where the new Reich begins? You know, we're going to have to police that allotment of yours, Josie, the way you're able an incredible, fa- an incredible fact about allotments that my friend, who is a really great journalist, who I recommend to you, Tim, his name's Adam Ramsey, and he runs a, a site called Open Democracy, which is such a fantastic site and does such good investigative journalism. Um, and he told me that basically at this, at 100 years ago, when they brought in allotments, they initially said that everyone in the United Kingdom would be allowed a plot with which to grow vegetables. But that was too powerful because if everyone even the poorest person in the country had their own plot of land to grow vegetables suddenly people aren't immiserated in poverty anymore because they can feed themselves to some extent and subsist and trade with each other and they're not as tied into the appalling kind of structures of capitalism at that time and so they had to water it right down and be like oh no no um just a couple of allotments over there that'll be fine do you think that was someone's deliberate malevolent intent uh what to having power uh, yeah, I mean, that that's literally was what they did. Theory. It's ah. not conspiracy. It's literally what happened. You should, you should, they they realised that what would happen is that it would mean that people weren't as dependent on... Uh, I mean, I think there's no need for conspiracy theories because if you They're find out just the truth of what money and power is like, you go, oh, that, that will do me. It's, we've often yeah, talked about this, Rob. That's what conspiracy theorists say they're doing. They're just following the money, you know. The people yeah. who say that 5G is... Isn't there? There's always a sharp turn. Yeah. It's like yeah. uh, Richard Branson's a billionaire. And also, and you just like, you don't need... Uh, to listen, guys. Yeah, yeah. There's no... The, um, I think also there's a thing... If anyone saw, there was a clip from Fox News last night. Uh, at the moment... At we the are, moment... We are seeing more of the news media actually turning to experts, something we don't often see. People yeah. who really are. And it's a very interesting thing. Yesterday they had a piece and it was about the fact that there's a malaria drug that's being recommended uh, yeah. to deal with uh, COVID-19. And there was the former head of Harvard Medical College basically saying no. No, this is absolute. No, there will always be people who want to peddle things. And then as he went through the evidence-based stuff, the presenter went, now, I know you're not keen on anecdotal evidence. And you just saw his face going, no. You see, this is, and that that is what I hope is one of the things that might come out of this uh, period. And I, I, you know, I just don't know. But to have more people on our, in fact, I think Australia's Q&A does a lot better than, than the UK's question time in having on people who actually have yeah. a level of expertise, people who are not professional pundits who are paid to provoke and paid to trend on Twitter, but people who actually go, I've spent 
30 yeah. years researching it. And I think yeah. that's for, for the argument on both sides of, of you is that's one of the things is in the mainstream, we need more proper information, information that comes from people yeah. who are responsible with yeah. the information they want to disseminate. Exactly. But people are very getting very good at discarding you know, conspiracy the theorists, of which I, I feel like there are more and more, especially in America, ha have unfalsifiable hypotheses. So every expert you roll out in front of them is simply further proof that the conspiracy is deep and wide. Yeah. You know, wow, it even goes to Harvard, they think, as a Harvard professor comes on and says something they disagree with. And it's, and that's the difference between conspiracy thinking and just being wrong, is it's unfalsifiability, is the fact that any evidence you present to someone who holds a conspiracy theory is further proof of the conspiracy. And it, and it is hard not to feel um, despairing about that, that the internet is such a great tool for passing around misinformation and for building up these unfalsifiable theories. I'm we better go off. to our guys. I was just going to say, Joe, we should go because we're overrunning terribly at the oh, moment. Oh, sorry. We better just we'll come back though. Back, we'll come though. back. We'll come back. Keep that question, and we'll come back to this if that's okay, Tim. Uh, by the way, I just realised I suddenly looked across my desk, and uh, something that may well help people: sandwiched between my copy of the Letters of Samuel Beckett and the films of Peter Cushing. There we go. I didn't realise it was in such easy reach. There is uh, the uh, beat poem Storm uh, with an introduction forward by Neil Gaiman as well. Uh, it's a wonderful, beautiful illustrated version of of the animation uh, of your song. Um, so uh, we're now going to go over to one of our favourite people, someone who I think it must be nearly 20 years that I've been working with her. So certainly a, a 16 there. <laughs> Let's be as accurate as I can. She is brilliant. And she She's is live from Eastbourne. She's Joanna Neary. Hello. Hi, Joe. How are you? Hi, not jo. too bad. I'm quite lonely. I've not seen many people. So seeing you is very nice today. Well, that's what we're trying to create. We're basically trying to create that we we are now all leaning on all a Skype. leaning on a Skype-based virtual garden fence. In, yes. Uh, in a beautiful oh. That's what's going yeah. on. Your your first like day sound check was so beautiful. Right at the start of all this, seeing you and um, JC, just the two of you and Trent, wasn't it? The three of you. Oh, it's so reassuring to know other people right there. Oh, thanks. how are you, funny? Because I know you're having to. Uh, well, I mean, it's. I mean, it's it's school holidays now, uh, yeah. so it's homeschool holidays. But you before that, you were homeschooling as well. So how did how did you find that transfer of uh, of doing that? I thought I'd be amazing at homeschooling because <laughs> I did teacher training in two thousand and five, um, and no, I, 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 yeah, and um, and and actually, the reality of teaching is is very different to the dream of it, the vision of it. All the children hung on to every word. I taught art, and I also taught drama in English and textiles because that's the way it works when you get a subject they give you other subjects that are connected to it and I remember one little boy said to me um why do I need to learn to draw a face that's not going to get me a job and I've been and thinking about it for like 15 years what I could have said to him about how everything in his life is, has been designed by someone his football shirt his logo on his pencil case everything has been made by an artist you know and I was very earnest about teaching, but then <laughs> having to teach Arlo's been horrendous. <laughs> teaching your own kids is... You should know this. You should know this in reception. Why have you got no pride in your work? Why is it so messy? Why have you got an ink block? Okay, let's just go leave the room. I'm going to let you do it on your own. Just really. And then he thought I'd gone off him. And, so then and I got the puppet to be the teacher, which was really good fun because then the teacher didn't know anything. And um, my son was able to correct the teacher. And that was a much more fun way of learning. But then the teacher is from South Park. Very isn't good. It? Isn't that the teacher in South Park has a, a, a puppet? The one who ends up having an affair with Richard Dawkins, I think. <laughs> I, remember, I remember in that particular episode. <laughs> yeah, but the puppet has saved the day. The horrible pirate who farts all the time. <laughs> but at least you have a laugh. <laughs> Blame it on the pirate. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Uh, Joe, now uh, we're trying to work out how we're going to segue into this in a classic daytime style. So um, now, Joe, I believe that uh, it's not just you isolating around your house with your son. You've got a couple of friends there, haven't you? And I wonder if we could meet them. Okay. Thanks very much, daytime. I'm so lonely. I just go and put another hat on and become someone else. Let me go and see if I've got anyone over here. Uh, anyone over here? I can <laughs> 
I really don't think I should go on television. I don't want to Hi guys. Oh, wrong voice. Hello. <laughs> Hello everyone. I'm Celia and I wanted to show you my um, special little show and tell. Is that all right? Oh, yes, please. Can I do my show and tell now? Yes, please. Okay. I've been keeping a diary because I think it's going to be of incredible import. And I'm going to quickly read Seven Days of Celia. Here we go. Tuesday. My husband Fred has taken up ukulele. Wednesday. <laughs> Thursday. Did a yoga class on YouTube. But it's very hard to see the screen when you're upside down. Friday. <laughs> I fancied homeschooling. I fancy myself as a bit of a primary school teacher, which I know is silly. I'd like to imagine myself in a starched blouse and a long skirt with a piece of chalk pointing at a blackboard and banging on about how long it takes to get to Edinburgh on a train. Saturday, knocked up a pie and 24 scones. We had quite a lot of food and supplies in from the time that Fred made me startled and I was doing an online shop and I accidentally ordered 2,000 tins of tomatoes which are under the stairs. <laughs> Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, locked in confinement, Fred and I have noticed each other's little idiosyncrasies much more keenly of late and so we've had to agree on some compromises. I thought I'd share them with you in case it helps you in your relationship. Fred only smokes in the, uh, in the garden with his pipe and I have to keep the volume down when I listen to the archers. Fred puts the recycling out every other Tuesday and I do all the cooking. <laughs> Fred remembers to put the toilet seat down and I don't talk to any men. <laughs> finally, this is from yesterday, watch an online video of Russian Cossack dancers. They're an incredible mixture of army-like exercise, military precision with sword fighting and break dancing all at once. They have incredibly muscular thighs. Came and lay down. I'm now learning Russian on Duolingo. I I just feel like a weird eight-year-old performing for her nana. That's, <laughs> That's what we've always been, Joe. Every single one of us on this screen. One of us yeah, on this screen. Yeah, we've never stopped being the weird eight-year-old performing for her nana, wearing our dad's shoes to pretend that we're clowns. <laughs> so thank you for indulging me with my silly writing. It's a joy. So it's good. an absolute joy. But uh, oh. Joe, I, I believe there's uh, you're sharing your house with some other people as well. All right. Oh, Maybe do Bjork. Anyway. Oh, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I wonder if you had. A, uh, I wasn't certain whether you had another uh, character uh, you, you were going to uh, do or not. I hadn't planned one. Brilliant. That's absolutely fine. People also don't know whether this is you or a character. Which is this <laughs> character if someone who hasn't planned on doing a character? It's do very meta. Wondered, do you think if someone did a character, any of you, based on you, that you'd recognise it? Uh, I. I think it's probably already been the case. Oh. Been, I pity the well, poor fool who that's based on. You thought? <laughs> Tim, do you reckon we've got enough insight to recognise ourselves? Is ourselves? Like in um, that, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm always very shocked if anyone like does any sort of impersonation of me that they think that's what I sound like. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm usually quite pleased because in my head I'm like I'm like one of these people, and I'm a bit much. But when people do me, they're like, yeah, I'm Tim Inchin. And I'm like, oh, cool, I'm a stoner. That's much cooler than I've ever been. <laughs> well, I think also because quite often the bit of the voice that is, is used, because I know because, of course, there's so many different people who do impersonations of Brian Cox. And I've quite often, you know, done when we've done oh. shows together. And he, he'll kind of, you know, be a not, he'll go, you've made me too camp. I'm not, oh, yeah. And there's various. And then you see another, you know, lots of different people find the different idiosyncratic thing they yeah. cling on to. Each one. caricatures. I mean, we hate hearing recordings normally of our own voice anyway. Never mind someone then finding the worst element of our voice <laughs> and amplifying. Voice. I, I am so at ease with, with my, my voice. <laughs> like, I just find from stand-up, you just heard it so much. I'm like, it's, it doesn't do anything to me. To it's just them. there. You listen to your shows back, Josie, don't you? I remember yeah. doing that in the early days. I could never do that. But I only do it because that's the only way, because I write on stage. It's the only way I can sort of learn it. Yeah, I remember what you did, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think I've just got, my voice is fine. My face is an entire other thing. My face is like, that's not my face, but my voice. <laughs> 
I love that thing you once said you're on stage you forget people can't just see your eyes <laughs> it's true isn't I it? just, you can just see this you can just and see then, this and then I had this realization because I was wearing this really old fleece and I'd written on it in biro comfort over style like, <laughs> I was just wearing like fleece and pajamas and someone came up to me and they were like wow where's your jumper from I'd pay a hundred pounds for that and I was like please please take it <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, when you create comedy characters, it's really nice to base them on real people. Because like you say, Tim, people are doing laid back stoner voice. And actually, after you've had a glass of wine and it's the middle of the night there, you do seem quite laid back a little bit. But we are so much more, aren't we, than one side of ourselves. We have days when we feel more womanly and more manly or more assertive and everything like that. And so that's why I like to base my characters on real people, because I've never got that character comedy where you go, I'm a hairdresser. and I'm really stupid. What's your name? Do you know, <laughs> like, it, yeah. Yeah. they're so much more surprising than fiction, aren't they? So that's such a cliche. I find that <laughs> even just, no, no, I find, I think that's absolutely true. And it's why you can uh, spot in a film or in a TV show, or a TV show, writers who have tried to write authentically about, um, based on ob their observation of the world. And the other writers who I think are in the majority who have uh, based their writing on how previous films have been written, you know? So, so there's this sort of um, All those books on ongoing regress from reality that happens as each writer bases their writing on a <laughs> character they loved in a show. Whereas I, uh, you know, I, I have this battle when I'm writing scripts where someone will go, well, that's inconsistent that that character should say that. And you're like, yeah <laughs> have you ever met a person there was like a for changeable there was a fashion for acting on television about um, 15 years ago where people would get a really beautifully written script and then the actor would kind of improvise around it because um yeah. their improvising oh. was better than the writer's writing it was excruciating oh. i remember going into castings and someone would be say the sentence was um i feel upset they would change it to I'm kind of like, uh, God, how can I put this? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of um, sorrowful right now. And it's like, just say this line because the rhythm yeah. is like, do you know what yeah. I'm saying? I don't know what I'm ranting. Yeah. I've forgotten. Somewhere, somewhere in the middle is, is probably about right. But uh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say that people are much more expressive in real life than the natural yeah. acting. Do you know what I mean? Of, you know, well, like, I, can't, uh, I can't do an impression. Totally. When I, so, so I've only really, started, only really on started acting on screen in the last 10 years. And I have this problem that comes from having been on stage a lot where um, there's this real trend, especially with young actors, where they've learned that if they speak subnaturalistically with the, with the um, Lavalier or whatever it's called, the lapel mic and the boom mic, if they talk like this, <laughs> then it will sound super intense. And when you're the actor acting against them, right? So, so usually if an actor's acting, it's their, it's their mid or it's their close-up and the camera's coming over your shoulder, so you don't matter, right? So the actor's acting at you and they're going, and you're like going, oh, well, if they want to do that. And then the camera turns around across their shoulder and it's your shot and they're going... I've actually had to say to actors who are much more successful and powerful than me on set, um, I can't hear you. And they're like, this is how I act. And I'm like, I don't care. The camera's on me. Like, you have to respond in a naturalistic volume so I can respond to your fucking, excuse me, response. You know, and, um, yeah, it's a real trend to do subnaturalistic acting. That was a very boring little monologue. Anyway, it would have been better if you'd done it more sotto voce. Anyway, the, uh, Joe, we're going to uh, say goodbye to you because we're nearly... Oh, okay. Nicole, Tim, uh, so, thank you uh, so much for having me on, and it's so lovely to see you all. Oh, it's brilliant to see you. And uh, what what you're going to be up to in the in in the future and stuff you're producing at the moment? I've got my second series of um, Wife on Earth coming up. My podcast on Cosmic Channel Network. It's going to be so lovely. Josie um, and Tim, I've got loads of my friends to do adverts for real small local businesses that they huh. really love, and it's so heartwarming. If you wanted to record just a sentence of yourself saying about a tiny bookshop or a tiny little place or an online shop that you love right. yes i would love to i'll do it this afternoon <laughs> i want to recommend something and, and, or you could do it yourself if you wanted but thank you 
Thank you. I want to recommend something. I'm sorry, something. I'm sorry. I'm so excited to, and I don't want to forget, which is um, my friend Bilal has done this really great thing called Bilal Zafar's um, School of Acting Excellence. Oh. And it's a spoof uh, in the actor's studio, but he's just so wonderful in it. And I did the pilot one with him, and it was so much fun. And he's just done a second episode uh, with a Kiwi comedian called Nick Sampson. It's so good and so funny, but also it reminded me, Tim, because there's a bit where he tells me that actors have to talk really really quietly and so we have to do a scene where he's shouting and I'm going yes hello <laughs> <laughs> I really recommend to watch so it good. So I'm good. definitely looking that up Thank you very much, Joe. And also, just quickly mention Joe, who's, who's down in Eastbourne. That uh, whenever I go down and do a gig, one of my favourite bookshops is Camilla's, and uh, Camilla's Bookshop, an incredible secondhand bookshop. And uh, recently, they were they were set fire to uh, by someone, and there is a fund at the moment online uh, to try and make sure that they can manage to kind of rebuild the shop and stuff like that. It's a beautiful shop run by people who really love books. Camilla's Bookshop. So uh, have a look at that. Thank you very much, Joanna Neary. I look forward bye to bye seeing bye you at your gig again soon. Bye, Tim. Bye, JC. Bye, Robin. Bye, Bye. Uh, Tim, we just have a few questions before we, we go to Nicole, who's an incredible singer. And uh, uh, this is the well, the first. This is a, a lot of people have been wondering this, and I hear it a lot. Which is Groundhog Day was an incredible uh, piece of work. Um, are we going to see it again? Is it going to be? Because uh, I heard rumours there was going to be a a, a a UK tour at some point. Is is that possible? Or... Look, it, I, I mean, I'd be very surprised if it doesn't come back around. Uh... Um, it, it, it's, yeah, it's really complicated and I can get very boring about it, but it's, it's just hard to find a theatre. It, it was a very complex, uh, technically and in every way, complex piece of work. And, um, it went to Broadway and didn't, didn't work on Broadway, which is just the gamble of Broadway and lots of reasons for that. But, um, uh, you know, it, it costs millions and millions and millions of dollars to go to Broadway. And so when it doesn't work, you lose that amount and everyone runs away from the production. Um, so the theatre owners in London have been reticent because uh, blah, blah, blah. So um, I love Groundhog Day. I, I'm very proud of it. And I'm I'm over the, the, the couple of years of kind of fury that it didn't you know, for the for various reasons. Um, but I, I, I feel quite sanguine about it. It'll come back. Um, it'll, it'll be London. It's just a pity it can't be soon. Um, and everything's up in the air. I mean, it's certainly I mean, nothing a pretty good way. Yeah, pretty good, good perspective. You know, if it, it really does all your little moans about the intricacies of your career get put starkly into perspective by the imminent collapse of the entire entertainment industry don't they well that's a perfect time to quickly mention that uh we are uh the tip jar that is at the bottom of uh this screen is uh we're making uh, a fund for uh some of the artists and uh creative people and singers etc etc who are finding themselves basically with no work whatsoever and stuff now has uh um, being in entirely capped. I mean, I, I've now, uh, I, I'm, I'm in an okay position, right? I'm in a fortunate position. There's other things that I can do. Uh, but looking at what's going on is uh, we're seeing as far as sub- September cancellations, loads, the, the, the gigs are gone. And we're also trying to make sure that the fund has enough money for some of the smaller art centres and, uh, and the kind of social hubs in places to try and also help finance them and keep them going. So that was I was strange. looking at my diary yesterday and I was just like, it's all lies. It's all gone. <laughs> it was really weird. Oh, can I say, Tim, I'm very proud of you for obviously using this spare time to construct uh, a homemade guillotine that I can see yeah. behind you in your study. I'm yeah. proud of you. That's that's a very thoughtful yeah. thing for the future. I just think it's a good time to take the heads off some capitalist swine. You know? <laughs> Uh, we've got one final question for the live questions, which is just, uh, can you recommend a good wine? Have you tried Sam Neill's wine, by, by the way? way? Sam Neill, who always seems like they're most lovely. Of, oh, of seems like a nice beings. man. Um, and I know that he 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 makes it. He's got a red wine. He uh, makes the Pinot. And um, I, 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 I have uh, made uh, quite a... Uh, he and I have online clashes because of my outspoken loathing of Pinot. 
But his his vineyard is his winery is called Two Paddocks, and they make a beautiful kiwi pinot. And I actually really enjoy his pinot. But I am a a big peppery, dry earth Shiraz man, and so it's I I, I you know I mean look you go for whatever you will, but I um I drink exclusively big bogan wines. <laughs> Tim, thank you so much for, for coming on today and uh we won't be, everyone knows where they can, you know, find your work and see your work. Oh yeah. There'll be stuff in the on the internet in the next few days that I've made. I hope you like it. Oh, I've, just, nice. I've just reached across from uh, I'm always plugging other people's stuff, so I'm gonna plug the book that I wrote, which has an interview with oh, you. I love it. There we go. I'm gonna uh I'm very, I always feel embarrassed about, but there we go. There, that's the level of narcissism I've reached after three weeks of lockdown. You're um, all right. So there we are. I'm a joke. You're all right, Robin. You're all right. It was a delight to interview for because I know that was so during a bad time as well. And Josie, uh, I'll uh, see you tomorrow. Thanks, and, Tim. Thank you so yeah. much. Have a lovely evening. Bye. Josie, what's the rest of the day for you? It is. Uh, have you found all the rice that was left over from yesterday's play? Do you know, yesterday I did a really big sweep of all the hard floors and it was really, um, felt very nourishing to do so. The rest of my day is hopefully Johnny is taking my baby out soon so she can have her walk. I'm going to try and do some work, which usually means staring into the middle distance in panic. And then when she wakes up, I'm going to do something Yesterday we did a craft activity. It's so hard to keep thinking of new activities. <laughs> well, you know, see what you can do with some of that spare Botox you were talking about before. Just <laughs> what you could do with your face to make it more fun. Um, thank you so much, uh, everyone, for, for watching. As we mentioned before there, there's the tip jar at the bottom as well where we're creating a fund for other artists and, uh, and venues as well. And uh, we're now going to go to someone who I first saw uh, with Blueswater, an incredible uh, group who uh, do so much stuff just about the history of the blues, uh, some of the great sometimes forgotten legends of the blues. Uh, that's up in uh, Edinburgh Fringe, well, normally every year, but not this year. Um, so hello, Nicole. How are you doing, Nicole Smith? How Hi. are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks um, so, much thanks for so doing, much for doing it. Hi. Hello. Now, who have you, uh, in terms of your uh, choices of songs today, why have you chosen the songs that you've chosen today? I've chosen songs I've that written I... myself because I can't have any musicians with me. And I'm just on my own in the flat. So I've had to uh, relearn kind of really old songs when I started writing before I met any of the Blueswater guys. Um, and then one uh, new song that I wrote just uh, last month or so. I've been a lot of time at home, so fiddling a bit and i'm not uh trained on anything so um we'll see how it goes <laughs> brilliant well let's uh, th that's what i love though it's, it's, been very it's been very beautiful seeing musicians just singing straight down the lens basically at people and uh, i think it brings people a lot of joy as well so um thank you very much please welcome to her living room and your living room or attic room or wherever you may be all right thanks okay, Sometimes I see you fly by Behind the lungs that are clouds in the sky They flutter beneath with every breath of Reprieve the longing felt with just a touch before it's free They inhale you as I exhale the truth they inhale you as I exhale the truth sometimes I think you'll come back but when you do Oh, my mind, it's a supply The colors, they've changed you a different range And all the flavors that it offers are the same I want blue And 
that's not you. I want blue, and that's not you. Sometimes a curtain falls before it ends, and you want more, but the levers are all bent. Inside the room turns white, a softly gray, as your reflection slowly fades away. You are a One night it choose You were a muse One night it choose Sometimes I see you fly by That was brilliant. That was brilliant. Beautiful. Thank you. And, uh, have you got a, a we're gonna because we're oh, we've we're almost out of time. So uh I do would you like to do a second song as well? Because we uh, to... sure, yeah, I can do a really quick one. Yes, you please. Quick one. It's just that we won't we won't ramble on. Yes, please. Okay. Uh one sec. We got to test this thing. Go and look up, by the way, for one uh, Nicole's work. She's uh, we we last gig we did was at the Nine Lester Carols for Curious People up in uh, uh, Manchester. It's brilliant, and uh, and do look up uh, and do look up all the stuff that Blues Water do as well because it's really uh, great as well. All right, I'll see if I um, if I remember all the keys. This is a song about uh, New Orleans and Texas and falling in love. I guess let's say. Star 
Thank you so much, Nicole. Uh, that was you. wonderful. And uh, as I said, find out about Nicole's work, Joanna Neary's work and uh, and Tim's work. Uh, tomorrow we have, uh, amongst others, Joshua Idahan, who's an amazing poet. You might also know uh, from Benin Citizen as well. And uh, Martin Rossiter, who has produced beautiful solo music and uh, in the 90s was also the front man of Gene. And also we have uh, Matt Parker, stand-up mathematician, and uh, Lucy Green uh, talking about uh, astronomy and uh, the nature of the universe. So we will do the big the small and the in-between tomorrow thanks for watching bye-bye thank you so much thank you very much for listening don't forget cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home to catch up on all the previous episodes find out who's coming up on upcoming episodes and to leave a tip for acts and artists and venues who are hit hardest at the moment and if you'd like to support us at the cosmic shambles network patreon.com slash book shambles oh.